In Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, we have Jesus preaching there what is referred to commonly as the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5 and verse 13, He says to that assembled multitude that day, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its Savior, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Preaching that day to that multitude on the mountain, Jesus is speaking primarily to His own disciples. He's preaching to those who have left everything to follow Him. Those that He says are the salt of the earth. Those who through poverty of spirit have entered into the kingdom of heaven. Those who are meek and those who are merciful. Those who are the peacemakers. Those who through purity of heart have come into possession of a redeeming and transforming vision of Almighty God. The invitation, though, of Jesus is an invitation that is for every man. Every man and every woman on the top side of God's green earth today can enter the kingdom of heaven if they're willing to do so. So Jesus, though He's speaking primarily to His disciples, those who've left everything to follow Him, He's also speaking to the multitude that day. And He's telling that assembled multitude that if they're willing, they too can become the salt of the earth. Now the question is, should we take this as a declaration of our obligations and our responsibilities? If we do so, it becomes the epitome of all the commandments. It's the summing up of the whole duty of man. If it is taken as a statement of fact, then it becomes the highest of all compliments. And that's what we recognize it as this morning. If someone said that you or I was the salt of the earth, we would take it as the highest of all compliments. Because in every community all across this nation of ours, there are people who are people of outstanding worth. And describing someone of outstanding worth or someone of high character, how many times over your life have you heard someone say, well, you know, they're just the salt of the earth kind of people. That's what they are. You boil it down, and that is the premier compliment that we might give to someone. But when Jesus says here to that assembled multitude and to us, You are the salt of the earth. He has just concluded talking about the poor in spirit and the meek and the humble and all of those in the Beatitudes. And when He concludes here in verse 13, He's telling us the influence the type of person described in the Beatitudes should have on the world around them. Jesus is indicating the high calling that I have and that you have 
to a Christ-like character. And he says that you and I are to be the salt of the earth. That means that Christian people, God's people, are to have a positive impact on the world around them. Salt. Salt is something that cannot be ignored. It is a positive quantity. If salt is present, then we absolutely must recognize its presence. And if salt is absent, particularly from green beans or mashed potatoes, it is going to definitely be missed. Salt is the sworn antagonist of the insipid. And sometimes the presence of salt is exceedingly welcomed. And at other times the presence of salt is keenly resented. But it always has to be recognized. You know if it's there and you know if it's not there. I remember one time as a boy, we went over to my grandmother's house. She had one of those old-fashioned wooden ice cream freezers. Had the cylinder that went down inside it. Somebody had to sit on top of it while somebody else turned the crank. I wasn't big enough to turn the crank. I was big enough to sit on it. Had some fresh peaches, just a little overripe. And she mashed those peaches up into some sugar. Fixed that custard. Poured it all into that cylinder and we started freezing ice cream. You can taste it, can't you? Anticipation. That homemade peach ice cream is going to be so good. Well, it finally got to the point that it was too hard to turn anymore. So we take it out. Take the dasher out. Put the cork in. Pack it real good down in the ice and let it sit. You know what's coming next, don't you? Somehow that cylinder got a little too far down in that water. And somehow that seal wasn't quite good enough. And salt water got into that peach ice cream. That was the nastiest peach ice cream I ever put in my mouth. But you could not ignore the salt that was in that ice cream. And that's what Jesus says you and I are supposed to be. Jesus says that we are supposed to be like the salt was in that ice cream. We are not to be a mere moral minus sign. And we are not to be a harmless non-entity. And we are not to be harmless creatures that are icily regular, faultily faultless, and splendidly dull. As Christians, we are to be positive, pungent, and strengthful people. 
We're to be people that you may like us or dislike us. You might love Christians or hate them. The world might fight with us or against us, but we are not something to be ignored. Jesus was that way. Wherever Jesus Christ went, dullness took to its heels and stagnation fled in deadly fear. There were people that loved Jesus Christ with a love that nothing could kill and destroy. And there were people that hated Jesus with a hatred that nothing but His death would satisfy. But wherever Jesus went, He divided people into excited groups. Because, folks, Jesus Christ could not be ignored. And that's what we're supposed to be. Thinking about that analogy of salt. Salt is a positive something. It gives taste to whatever it touches. Any dinner would be a morbidly bland affair without salt. It would be like the time that my doctor looked at me and he said, we're going to check your cholesterol. And before he even got the results, he figured anything this fat had to have high cholesterol. And so he starts showing me all the things I can't eat. And he starts showing me how much salt I can't have. And I looked at that low cholesterol diet. I said, you know, if a fellow didn't live longer, it'd seem like it, wouldn't it? You can't ignore salt. Salt gives to what it comes in contact with. And for civilized men, salt is an absolute necessity. And Jesus is saying that He and those who are like Him are among the necessities of life. Jesus is saying that Christ-like character is a necessity. Because without Jesus Christ, and without Christ-like character, the feast of life loses its spice. Life without Christ, and life without folks that are like Christ, becomes stale and dead. It has no depth. It has no richness of meaning. For life to thrill us with some kind of a lofty meaning, Jesus Christ has to break in upon us. Now, there are those that think of Christians as tedious bores. And there are those that think of Christians as those that take the joy out of life. But people that think Christians are tedious bores and people that think Jesus Christ takes the joy out of life 
are as far from the truth as the North Pole is from the South. Because Christians and Christ-like folks are the ones that bring joy and strength and vitality to life on this earth. Salt is also a preservative. Salt is the open enemy of decay. Salt is the foe of impurity. It is the avowed antagonist of rottenness and disintegration. It stands in the presence of corruption, the impurities, the decays that lay siege to all things here and says, Thou shalt not pass. Salt purifies and sweetens and keeps sound that with which it comes in contact. Jesus says that Christians are like that. Without the presence of Christians, civilization does not climb upward. Society does not become more and more pure without the influence of Christians. Without the influence of Christians, society tends toward moral rottenness and decay. And all you need to do is look around our world today and see that. If the world is to be kept from disintegration, the presence of Christ-like character in the world is an absolute essential. No nation is made safe by its natural resources, its geographical position, its army, or its navy alone. A nation is made safe. Are you listening? A nation is made safe by the character of its people. By the character of it. That's what Elisha meant when he shouted some rather startling words after Elijah. You remember those two prophets of God, Elijah and Elisha? It's hard to not get them mixed up, isn't it? Those prophets had walked the last mile together. And they reached the little station where God sent His own private chariot to meet Elijah. So we see the prophets of God, Elijah and Elisha, have come to the parting of the ways. And as the chariot is taking Elijah up into heaven, and as he goes, Elisha looks after him and he shouts, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Elisha was saying, There goes the defender of the nation. There goes the one who above all others has stood between Israel and And sin, there had been some that in that far off day and time who were so blind as to think that Israel's safety was in its diplomacy. They thought its safety was in its army and its war chariots. But the real 
standing army of Israel wore a prophet's mantle. It was Elijah tramping the countryside calling men back to God. Saintly, Christ-like character is the supreme safeguard of our world. Look through history. Great disasters have come because there was a lack of saving salt. Way back in the early morning of time, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of his heart was only evil continually. It repented God that He had made man. God said, I will destroy man that I have made from this earth. And of course, the great flood came about. Because there was no saving salt. Because mankind had grown so wicked. God calls us today to be the salt of the earth just as He did, Jesus did those on that mountainside so long ago. And if you and I are to be the salt of the earth today, where is it that we are to unloose our preventative and our purifying power? Jesus does not say that you and I are to be the salt of heaven. He plainly says that we are the salt of the earth. We are the saving and the seasoning element for the world that we live in. We are to serve as salt in our community, right here. We are to be willing to be involved to see that our community is a good place to live. God calls us to be good citizens. We're to serve as the saving salt in our church home. We live in an age when it sometimes becomes fashionable to stone the church. And the critics of the church are loud. And the critics of the church are full of clamor for attention. Well, make no mistake about it. The church is not perfect. Because, you see, the church is made up of imperfect people. And yet there are often those who owe so much to the church who make no better return than the return of cheap and often ignorant criticism of the church. Granted that the church is not what it should be, What's the remedy? Can those things lacking in the church, those things deficient in the church, can they be corrected by leaving it alone? No. Can they be solved by throwing stones at the church? 
Or should we perhaps bring to the church the saving salt of a Christ-like character in our own lives? We're to serve as salt in our community. We're to serve as salt in our home church. We're to serve as salt in our homes. That's the greatest way to salt the church and the world. If we truly bring to bear the saving salt of saintly character in our own homes, then we will in that same way, we'll salt our nation. And the world will never be salted any other way. But for us to be Christian beginning in our own home, in our own church, in our own community. Well, if we're going to salt the earth, how do we do it? We salt the earth, folks, by being Christ-like. We salt the earth by living like Jesus. We salt the earth by living so that others see Jesus Christ living in us. And we must come in contact with those with whom we are to salt. We must reach out to them. We must invite them. We must let our lives come in contact with theirs. And we must let the salt of a Christ-like character have an influence on their lives. What about you this morning? Have you been the salt of the earth? Maybe you've never heeded that call to, to come to Jesus Christ. It's so simple to begin living for Christ. To believe in Him with all of your heart and Turn your back on sin through repentance and confess His name and be cleansed in the waters of baptism, having all past sins washed away. If you haven't ever done that, I'd beg you to do it before you leave this building today. Maybe you've done that. You haven't been salt in your community. You haven't lived like Jesus Christ. You haven't lived so that others could see Jesus living in your life. You need to change that and let brothers and sisters pray with you and for you that you'll live the way the Lord would have you to live. The decisions to make are yours. The invitation is that of Jesus as we stand and walk.